the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number two to the seventh for Monday, November 19th, 2007. And welcome to take three of the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab for uh, for this week. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. John, you know, whenever we flub things and uh, actually restart the recording, it never, ever works on the second try. Hi, hi, by, by the way, hi, John. How are you? So it's like take two and a half because, yeah, I flubbed the, uh, the second. The second. Yeah. You know, most of the time, I would say probably 95% of the time we hit record and that's it. it we, we never turn back. If, however, there's something early on, what happened tonight was uh, something we've seen before. It's a mistake I shouldn't make, uh, but I recorded the wrong stream in Audio Hijack and uh, realized it about five minutes in. So then we started again, and then, of course, there was a flub. I don't believe any show has ever been take two. Most are take one. We have uh, quite a few take threes, but I don't think there are any take twos. So uh, there you go. We do have a lot of stuff to talk about in this show. We've got uh, some leopard fixes to talk about, Outlook to Mac migration tools and utilities, some follow-up from you folks on that, a uh, little, little bit about email encryption and, uh, and all sorts of stuff. But uh, first, John, I, I wanted to tell you, I, you know, last night I did the typical Mac user podcast with Victor Cajau, and it was awesome. He does it with TalkShoe, right? So uh, it allows people to interact Live, They can hear the show while we're recording it. And uh, there's a chat room that's kind of got this weird, funky, backwards scrolling interface. But but it, it works once you kind of grok it. And uh, and and then, of course, people can call in live and and ask questions. And it was a blast. I, I won't I won't rehash what we did, because, of course, you can all go listen to it. But uh, but about halfway through the show, I decided, you, John, you and I totally have to do this some at some point, either with with Victor on his show or maybe we'll have Victor help us do do one for us. Or I, I think we'd have a, a real a real blast. So expect okay. that. Soon. I'm I'm game, but I have, you know, a short attention span. So, you know, all those things happening at once may be overwhelming. It, I, it, I it totally was. I, I actually yeah. haven't listened back to last night's show, but uh, unless Victor did some some really masterful editing, there were a couple of moments where I just went into la la land because I just had too much coming in and, and he asked, he'd asked me yeah. a question. He'd be like, Dave, uh, did I lose you? <laughs> like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm actually here. So. Yeah. Cause I mean, the kids of today can handle, you know, texting while they're driving and, uh, you no, know, shaving can't. and reading the paper. Well, no, they, they don't crash their cars. <laughs> well, yeah, but they got these big, you know, honking SUVs, so they don't have right. to worry about hurting themselves, just others. Okay, enough social commentary. Let's, uh, where are we going? <laughs> you can send your own commentary, preferably uh, Mac-related, but feel free to send anything you like to us at uh, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Of course, you can Skype it to MacGeekGab, and then, John, the phone number for them to dial in and leave us a voicemail is? Uh, 206-666-GEEK, which is, which is Dave. Four three three five, and with that, we'll get on to uh, to Adam's question. Adam writes: Recently, my Finder has been locking up. It does so sporadically and under different circumstances. I can't directly recreate the exact conditions of the the lockup, but I'll be doing something in any given app, and the Mac has been running for anywhere from five minutes to an hour. And all of a sudden, the spinning beach ball of death does its endless spinny thing. Force quitting and relaunching the Finder just sends a blue screen and hangs again. A reboot is necessary. Once rebooted, however, one of my external FireWire drives will not mount. 
I have to power cycle it for it to mount again. This led me to believe it could be the root of the issue. I ran TechTool Pro 4 on the system, and all the drives checked out fine, except when I checked the external FireWire drive, it mentioned that it had bad blocks. I haven't tried to fix anything yet in TechTool Pro because it seems pointless if things keep locking up. To try and confirm that the drive was at fault, I unmounted the drive from the system and tried to recreate the scenario. Even without the drive attached, the finder's still locked up. Not the drive alone, then. I reformatted the, uh, the drive and did a clean OS install, and though I went through that process, came back up, everything was fine, until I plugged in the FireWire drive. At that point, once I tried to write a file to it, the system locked up again. So my question is, could it be a bad FireWire cable or perhaps the onboard controller? All right. So, uh, John, I'll let, you, I'll let you take this one. Okay. I'm going to start off by saying, number one, it sounds like this drive is, is having a rough time and it's on its way out. So just a bad block thing. I mean, a drive should never report bad blocks. If it does, I mean, most of them, the newer ones are able to kind of deal with minor bad blocks. So if you're getting the drive explicitly reporting that, it, it's in trouble. So do whatever you need to do. Copy the entire drive. Use Carbon Copy Cloner or, or you know, any of a number of utilities or just make an archive. But get, get stuff off of there now because it, it sounds bad. Um, one thing I would check is the console. You're, you're stating that things are locking up. Sometimes the console report what is going on. My guess, though, and this has been my observation about hardware, not just on the Mac, but in general, is that if hardware does something that the OS or driver does not expect, like freaking out because there's bad blocks, then a lot of software, from what I've seen, does not deal with it very elegantly. In other words, the computer locks up and nothing happens because the software will say, hey, you know, hard drive, can you give me some info? And it's like, yeah, okay, hold on, I'll be right back. And it never comes back. And the software is kind of clueless. Now you can try to, you know, force quit things, but that gets you into a state which you'd rather not be in. So that's my initial thought on this is, you know, try the console, um, but but this drive is on its way out. Maybe you can try it with... Um, Maybe you can talk about a few of these, Dave, but, yeah. you know, there are external uh, or there are other ways to, to access the drive. And that's the direction maybe you, you want to pick it up on. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, so there's it, disk utility has its smart uh, checker and there's there's other ones out there. Smart being the self-monitoring analysis and reporting technology. But uh, as we mentioned, the many times the fi external firewire cases and the, the chipsets in them don't support smart communication back and forth. So you really won't know if the drive's reporting that it's, uh, that it's got this issue. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with what you said, it, back up the data and get rid of the drive. It, I always would liken uh, bad blocks on a hard drive to like cancer cells. They, they typically don't, uh, get the the amount of them typically does not go down uh they tend to grow it, it usually means there's a physical defect with the drive and it's just going to keep on going from there so uh drives tend to come out of the factory with a couple of bad blocks uh usually that's normal and within tolerance but you don't even see them because they're blocked out from uh from the get-go if more start developing and and like you found with tech tool pro it starts reporting on them uh it, it's time to it's time to you know cut bait at that point and and put a new drive in. The good news is you've got this external case. The case is probably fine. The cable's probably fine. Bad blocks aren't created by bad cables or bad cases. Uh, well, they may be created by them, but but they certainly aren't misreported by them. Um, and I think you'd be fine just you know put, putting a new drive in the case and moving moving on with life. 
Yeah, I think to wrap it up, it's unlikely. I mean, it sounds like the drive's on the way out, but it could be the power supply or the enclosure or the cable. So in that case, there's something, and actually we just put a piece up today, Dave. I think uh, Webitech has a, uh, and also newer are two companies that make devices that let you, uh, on the quick, you know, they're not enclosures or cases. They're like bare cables. So these are, you know, for use only in emergency, but they let you hook up to a, a bare drive, yep. uh, which would help rule out a problem with the cable, another cable, or a case or a chipset or something like that. Uh, we'll, we'll link to those. And I've, I've used them on occasion, and, and they're very helpful because sometimes you do get, I mean, I've run into cases where the power supply was bad or something, and all sorts of weird things happen. But it doesn't sound very likely based on all the other things that were tried. Yeah, I, I, I agree. All right, moving on to, uh, let's find Fred's email here, and I'm still fighting with, with uh, Yojimbo not sinking and, and that whole thing. It's so I'm reading old school right from paper here. Fred writes, uh, I have three Macs on my home network. The oldest is Fred's iMac. Next is Fred's Mac Mini. Then Fred's MacBook. I'd like to have the same username on all machines. Will that cause a problem with permissions or file sharing? I'll be upgrading to Leopard before the end of the year, and I wanted to make sure to get this right. Dave, I know that you have multiple machines. How do you keep your usernames and machines defined? I'm always a couple of weeks behind on the podcast, so maybe you've already discussed back to my Mac. What role will that play? All right. Uh, first question, usernames on the machines. I have, uh, in fact, three machines. I've got the one up here in the studio, the one in the office, and then an iMac at the house. And on all three, I have exactly the same username, be long username, which, of course, for me is Dave Hamilton and short username, which for me is Dave. Uh, that actually makes things very, very easy when I'm moving, um, syncing up keychains and, and all of that good stuff. It, it actually works out very, very well. I would not name the machines the same uh, for what I hope are obvious reasons. But if not, uh, you know, we can we can talk a little bit about that. But uh, but yeah, don't don't name the machines the same. As far yeah, as Mac, I think, go ahead. Yeah, well, then we'll talk well, about well, back to the, my Mac. But go ahead, John. Yeah. Okay. No, I think the long end thing. So number one, I think it actually works to your benefit because a lot of times, um, when you try to log into a remote computer, by default, a lot of times it'll fill in the username of the current user. So it actually actually speed things up. Right. Rather than you making you know small variations to the username. So I do the same thing that that you do. So I guess yes, that 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 is a. Uh, that's a good thing to do. It, it is. All right. So uh, back to my Mac. I went down to Connecticut last week. I think so. Middle of last week. Yeah. Middle of last week. Went down to uh, Mohegan Sun and saw Stevie Wonder. Fantastic show. If you have an opportunity, go see Stevie. It huh. blew me away. One of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, I, after the show, stayed in this great little hotel. Cheap. Uh but had free Wi-Fi. And so I thought, oh, you know, I remember I enabled back to my Mac on the iMac. Now, you know, I've got uh, a router here that, that, you know, distributes everything for the network, for the house and the office. And, uh, and then of course they were on, you know, some sort of NAT router at the, at the hotel. And all I did was go to the finder in the shared list. My iMac appeared because of course it was enabled for back to my Mac, just like it would appear on my local network here. I clicked on it. I clicked share screen up came the login thing, I typed in my password, and boom, it just plain worked. Uh, now, I know a lot of this has to do with uh, the way routers deal with uh, UPnP, and, and I can never remember the thing that Apple uses, L, uh, whatever it is. Uh, but, but anyway, UPnP, 
and and the thing that Apple uses essentially both being uh, ways of letting computers program the router to say, look, when a connection comes in on this port, send it to me. And uh, and of course, that seemed to work just fine. It worked really, really well. Related to that, I got a buddy who, for whom I installed Leopard, uh, helped him install Leopard on Thursday. On Friday, he was having some, some not, not really a problem, but had some questions. And uh, so we got on iChat and I right clicked on uh, his username and said request to share this person's screen. And again, it worked perfectly. We had audio chat going back and forth between us and I was able to control his screen. He could see what was going on. At, Absolutely fantastic. Really, really excellent features in Leopard. And for me, they worked really, really well. I know for some people, they haven't been. And again, I think it's uh, all related to the, the router and the UPnP. Along those lines, I know I said this last night on, on Victor's show, but if you if you have any problems, I've found that the UPnP daemon in Linksys routers tends to get itself locked up after about 20 days. Uh, it's not always right at 20 days. I've had them go 60 days and they're fine, but usually up to, you know, the first couple, three weeks, it's fine. After that, it, it tends to, to, to get flaky and maybe not accept UPnP requests. So unplugging power from the router for 30 seconds, plug it back in, let it start back up and sync back up. And, uh, and that should help keep that stuff going. Huh. Now, one thing, the, uh, the oddity you were talking about before, I believe it's NAT PMP. Thank you. Is the 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 uh, less popular protocol that Apple apparently I, it looks to me did submit as a proposed protocol, but nobody's really jumping on their bandwagon. I, yeah. I think if you have an airport uh, base station, that this will be an option for uh, doing things that other people right. use. Most everybody uses another protocol for so. Yeah, you know, Apple's gotten a lot better about the whole standards thing, but uh oh, for, absolutely. But, you know, it, they they got to leave something, right, to uh to to have as their their own proprietary thing and make software vendors like the poor folks at Audio Hijack, I think with uh Nicecast, they had to go and and write uh-huh. both UPnP and NAT PNP uh drivers so that they could do, you know, everything regardless yep. of what well, kind of route. You know, I remember the bad, oh man, I mean, oh, you know, Apple always worse, had yeah. the Superior but less popular, so New Bus and SCSI and Apple Talk and all that stuff. Which yeah, you know, now you can pretty much uh, as I've done recently. Like when I got this terabyte drive, it's like I don't have to worry that it's for a Mac. It doesn't care. Right. All right. So Dave, not me, but Dave writes having an odd issue when logging in with Leopard. Upon login, two applications start running and place identical puzzle piece icons into the dock. The two applications are Check Plugins and Clean Cache. Now, that's Check Plugins with a capital C and P and a Clean Cache with C and C, but they are each one word. Often, they seem to hang up the system at login until they complete running. They disappear and close after about 30 to 45 seconds. Sometimes the menu bar does not appear until Check Plugins is done, although oddly, these icons in the menu bar still appear. Both programs also appear consistently when waking the laptop up from sleep. The check plugin app has started running a few times at the login screen even before I log in. I can't find every, any evidence of what either program does online. However, I do see that the check plugin app, whatever it does, is in my users shared slash check plugins folder. Can't find any reference to clean cache on my drive. I'd like to stop running before and after login since they seem to do nothing except hang the system. What do I do? Uh, for the record... I don't have a check plugins folder in my users shared folder. Uh, do you, John? 
No, no. I looked on my machine and I, uh, I didn't have anything resembling this. Okay. Now, the, the interesting thing is uh, further on down, he talks about uh, that he installed Leopard using the erase and install option and then uh, migrated his user account back from the carbon copy cloner uh, disk that he made using migration assistant. So something in migration assistant is grabbing this, uh, whatever this was from his old system. Now, John, you did some searching and, and you, you might have an answer here, but, uh, we'll see what, see what you have. Yeah, no, a little search. And the only two apps I came up with potentially that have something to do with this is OmniPage had a, now I'm not sure because you referred to check plugin and check plugins, right. both names in the email, but OmniPage, which is something that was tossed on some, uh, Max, uh, I believe, for free, or as a demo, maybe there. And, and then I also saw another reference to something that was called Check Plugin, like uh, with Cano Scan. And we, we've run into this before. Mm. Um, I came up with this actually on a German board, so I couldn't read a lot of it. But uh, Cano Scan is an application. I have run into this in the past. Uh, it, it drives a Canon scanner. And sometimes some of these scanner and printer drivers, as Dave and I have discovered, um, or through the listeners, is that some of them get very cranky when the device uh, they want to talk to is not there. So this this could be causing that sort of grief. Yep. Uh, if anyone has any any more information about it here, I'd uh, love to. Uh, we're happy to help, and I think this would be an interesting conversation to to have over the next couple of weeks about things that that are being pulled over from the migration assistant. Uh, that may not be compatible with uh, with your your leopard machine. So sounds yeah. What I'd recommend uh, did I mention a dog pile uh, for a search engine? Yes. Uh, so I tried with and, and though Google I would say is one of the better <laughs> yeah search engines. Dog pile is kind of interesting because they they take their query and they toss it out to a number of engines, some which, you know, like in this case, I found something that was foreign language. Of course, I can get it translated, but um, Dogpile is kind of interesting. I think they're they're still in the running. Um, you know, they don't get the big press that Google or other people do, but, uh, but sometimes for things like this, uh, you may want to go beyond Google or the Apple support boards to, uh, to see if there's anything out there. All right, there you go. Our first sponsor for this show is Audible at audible.com. If you visit audible.com slash MacGeekGab, you'll get uh, one free download of an audiobook in addition to a 14-day free trial of Audible Listener Gold. Uh, Audible has audiobooks in all genres, shapes, sizes, forms. Uh, well, not forms. They're all audio. Uh, almost 40,000 titles to choose from. Ma some Mac-specific or Apple-specific books. Icon Steve Jobs, The Greatest Second Act in the History of Business, Alan Deutschman's The Second Coming of Steve Jobs, The I Was Book, How I Invented the Personal Computer and Had Fun Along the Way, all kinds of stuff there. I encourage you to go check it out. It's at audible.com slash MacGeekGab, and that's the link that will get you the one free download, and uh, you can check it out for free and decide if you like it, and then either keep going or, or stop. So audible.com slash Mac geek And with that, we'll move on to DD with an interesting question. Two questions. Hey guys, I'm a first time caller. I've been listening for a while. In fact, ever since I switched from the PC, it's been about six months, I guess. This is DD Warren from Florida. And I have a couple problems. I was hoping you could help me with. I just upgraded to Leopard, and I did the upgrade option, which I'm beginning to think is the source of all of my woes. I have a Mac Pro, 
And what's going on is not every time, but intermittently when I shut down the computer, the screen and all the programs and everything shut down, but the Mac Pro itself, the light never goes off. You don't hear a fan running or anything, but the machine just never completely um, shuts down. I ran into one other person who had the same problem, also did an upgrade for Leopard. So I'm wondering if that's it, if there's something else I can do. Um, the second problem has also started happening after the upgrade is on my keyboard, the close parenthesis key, which is a shift, you know, right above the zero, it just doesn't work. <laughs> the zero works, but that other key just doesn't work. So um, it's a Kensington uh, Studio Board Pro, and I'm just hoping you can give me some clues, point me in the right direction. I'm trying to learn. I know this is where you're that is where I'm going to cut you off. Uh, all right, John, let's talk about this uh, This first thing, uh, first thing first. So Leopard's not wanting to shut down. Now, at the at the tail end of the shutdown process, we, we've talked about how there's some uh, cash cleaning that goes on there. Um, and then, like Tiger, it also at that point begins pulling the last little bits out of virtual, virtual memory and flushing the uh, the virtual memory files before it before it reboots. So, you know, my, my gut says grab a utility like Onyx or cocktail. The cocktail 4.0 is leopard compatible. Onyx has, I think it's 1.8 point something beta. Uh, that's leopard compatible. Run those clean your caches and, uh, use them to, to delete your virtual memory files. That'll force the OS to recreate them. Uh, and that, that may, that may free some of that up. That that's, that's kind of my thought on that, John. What do you got? Yeah, I wouldn't get all fancy pants like you. I'd, I'd probably check some basic things like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, permissions, because yeah. there could be something that's trying to write something or read something, probably write something or clear something. And if permissions are messed up, then it may just sit there forever saying, you know, hello, hello, hello. And yeah. uh, the other thing would be uh, our friend, the console. I'll always check the console after something like this happens. There may be, you know, a, a poor you know, process that, you know, let out a final debug line in the console saying, here's why I'm upset and I'm not going to let you shut down. So those would be my two basic ones that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll mention them again. They're always good basic tools for figuring out uh, system problems here, your permissions and your uh, looking in the console. Uh, though some are very obscure, I'll admit, every now and then you may stumble across something, especially with the uh, the search feature um, yeah. to, to match your woes. So... That's what I got to say about the first part of this. I got one more thing that uh, I thought of while you were talking about the console. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other drives mounted on the system? Because, of course, the very last thing that happens uh, is it unmounts the drives and then reboots. Right. So if uh, if you've got, say, a Firewire drive or maybe even another internal drive and there's something about that drive that's uh, either not right or, you know, who knows if you've got some files on there that, again, maybe permissions or, you know, damaged files that that might uh, that might do it. And I'm going to add to what you just said. <laughs> right. One upmanship. Uh, well, I found this, but 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 I think it was a past uh, show. But um, sometimes if network uh, network drives may not unmount properly. So. Yes. Perhaps you would like to manually kick the network drives off of the computer before you try to restart. Because sometimes uh, if the network drive is, is in a weird state or, or 
you know, it has a problem, then your computer may never shut down because it's eternally waiting for the network drive to, to shut down and it's, and it's not for whatever reason. So Bingo. just want to toss that in. Yeah. In fact, I think 10.5.1, uh, among other things, does some fixes for, for network issues and strangeness uh, that that aren't dissimilar to what uh, what she oh, described we saw one thing especially I, i'm sorry somebody did write in about this but they were having problems writing to an smb volume which is the the windows uh server message block i think it stands for yeah. but anyways one of the windows networking protocols 1051 i think uh fixes a problem where you could not write so right. yes network drives can cause you issues so yep. kick them off your computer before you restart or shut well shutdown is pretty much final but yeah all right uh this won't the be sec- the last but this will be the oh the second question oh thank you john we oh the to- keyboard yeah, right go ahead yeah go yeah well you know i was guessing here so so i think she was saying that she had a problem with shift zero wouldn't correct. do a right paren was that correct correct I think so. My only reflection is that whenever I've had my keyboard not do things that I want. So, well, the first thing I'm thinking of is it, she mentioned it was a Kensington and they do have Mouseworks and other third party software. So make sure the drivers are up to date. There could be with the application. I mean, usually I will neglect to use the Kensington stuff just because more often than not, it introduces more problems than it solves. And that's just my opinion. But you know, the, the, the way the devices usually interface with the computer is good enough without their driver to do, you know, some additional stuff that I don't care about. But um, so it could be the driver. But I've found something sometimes when I'm using a special power book is your numlock key may be on, especially if things are happening in the area that's shared mapping between numlock and your regular keyboard. Now, the, the I don't know how the Kensington keyboard is map, but just a, a kind of a far out thought, maybe not for this case, but for people in the future, if your keyboard does weird things and you don't know why, check your numlock, especially again on the portable. Sometimes the light that indicates numlock is down does not light up, and the keys that are mapped for three or four purposes sometimes may do things that you don't want. So that's what I got on that. I got nothing to add to that. That's uh, that's pretty okay. much spot on there. Nicely, nicely done. Uh, I don't think this will be his last comment this show, but uh, but it's certainly his first and begs a good question. What's a silver and a platinum pass for Macworld? Uh, yeah, good question. That's that's uh, Robert Hazelrig there. Right uh, to the point. There, right to the point. We, we don't mess around here. So uh, he's referring to the contest that we're running here at uh, the Mac Observer and, of course, on the podcast here at the Geek Cab, uh, where you can win... Uh, either a platinum pass or a super pass. We're giving away one of each. And these passes, the platinum pass essentially gets you into everything at the show. Uh, So you get one series, one power tools conference, one series, two power tools conference, the Mac it conference, the users conference. You get to go to a market symposium. You get to go to the Mac lab priority seating access for the keynote. Uh, You get to, of course, get to go all the, all the feature presentations. They provide you lunch for five days, uh, you get complete downloads of all the sessions from Macworld CNE and e Encore. And uh, of course, you know, you get access to the exhibit halls as you as you might expect. The Super Pass is not quite what the Platinum Pass offers, but you get a Series 1 Power Tools Conference, MacIt, Users Conference, Market Symposium. Still get the priority seating for the keynote. Still get the feature presentations. You still get into the exhibit hall and free lunch, five days. So uh, well worth entering the contest if you're heading to Macworld. We are 
doing the drawing, uh, I believe, uh, I don't think it's next week, right? What's the date today? No, not next week. We're doing the drawing December 4th, uh, right before I go off on vacation and, uh, and we'll announce, we'll announce the winners then. So yeah, go ahead and enter that. And, uh, and we'd love to, uh, love to see it. Macworld. Speaking of Macworld, uh, the hotel rooms that we have uh, uh, on discount for you folks at the Milano are almost gone. They may be gone. You, if In fact, if you went today, you would see that they were gone. That was uh, because we, we screwed up. We sold you guys uh, so many rooms that, that there's actually not enough room there for, for all of the TMO staff to stay there. Uh, but that's okay. We, we released some of the rooms that we had on hold for our staff so that you folks could, could get your, uh, your room discounts and, and we'll find somewhere else to stay. Uh, I think there, yeah, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll be there. I, I'm not sure if, if the Milano will have rooms for us. Like I said, this was way more popular than we thought, which is fantastic. Thank you very much. It, it was a successful promotion. Uh, if you go there, I believe starting Tuesday morning, everything the, the remaining rooms that we, we let, uh, back open should be available if by Tuesday night, Wednesday night you're there and it's still not showing up. Uh, you, you have missed the opportunity. Those rooms are gone. But, uh, you know, at that point, I guess I'll, I'll point you to uh, one of our sponsors, Harmon-Etravel.com and you can, uh, you can hunt for to- hotel rooms there. They've, uh, they've actually got some good deals, I think, uh, out in San Francisco even still. So that's, uh, that's another option. So uh, if you want those rooms, go and get them. Uh, if you want to email me just to confirm whether or not they are gone, uh, I'm happy to do that. We'll also post it to the, uh, if you go on the TMO and look over on the right side, there's a link that says Macworld Expo 2008 hotel discount. That will indicate once those rooms are gone too. So that's, uh, that's that. Uh, we have a question from John, but I don't think it's from you, John. I think it's different, John. In fact, I'm sure it is because this John's in, in uh, Canada. Uh, John writes, I like to take extended holidays of four to six weeks when possible. And my wife and I enjoy traveling to Mexico and Southeast Asia. We like to travel light and backpack it around using local buses, trains, etc. I have no desire to haul a laptop around with me, but I would like to take my iPod with me to listen to the occasional podcast and or some music. Internet cafes are plentiful and cheap to use in most places we get to. Is it possible to update my iPod's podcasts manually? I use a Mac, but virtually all internet cafes are strictly Windows PCs, so I'm guessing I would have to reformat the iPod to Windows before doing anything at all. I love my iPod, but I hate the fact that I must use iTunes to update it all the time. I was hoping the new iTouch would accomplish wireless updates of podcasts, but unfortunately, the wireless connectivity only applies to content for purchase. Any suggestions? Maybe I need to look at an alternative drag-and-drop MP3 player. All right, so... Uh, John and I took some time before we screwed up the intro to the show twice here and dug around. And one thing that we found was there is a folder on the iPod uh, called iPod underscore control. And in that folder is everything, all of your music. Uh, And now this is I mounted the iPod as a Firewire disc. Uh, When you do that, that folder simply won't appear but if you go into the terminal and uh, see, change directory, CD space slash volumes slash a name of your iPod, there's a folder there called iPod control, iPod underscore control. Or maybe it's iTunes underscore control. In any event, only one of them. That's what it is. In there, there's a folder called music. And in the folder called music on, on the one I have here, there were 50 folders, F00 through F49. 
uh, going into any one of those folders showed all of my MP3s. However, they were all named four character file names dot MP3. So clearly file names are being changed. Uh, there is some index there that's happening. Obviously something that holds all the playlists. I don't think there's any way to manage that data other than with iTunes. But I bet one of, if it is possible, I bet one of you knows and you're going to tell us. So that's uh, that, but for now, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. to get things off. And, and you and I found numerous programs that, or just like you did, you find the invisible uh, directory right? and you pull stuff off, but it may not be incredibly uh, entirely usable. And maybe that's intentional. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> uh, actually, I've, I've pulled things off of iPods very successfully. In fact, I, I've seen apps that'll pull stuff off of iPods into playlists and, and rebuild a library from it. Um, it actually, yeah, with CDDB and stuff like that. Yeah, the, you can no, no, no. recreate. No, iPod.iTunes will actually read uh, the playlists and everything and rebuild your entire library. Um from from that I've, I've i've done that successfully so uh, and, and that's a that's a pretty cool little utility but i've seen nothing that goes the other way around yeah putting stuff on there that that looks pretty rough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay all right uh tim yeah how are we doing on time here john oh we're actually doing really really well all right yeah tim tim writes i do not use email encryption yet but would like to soon I use .Mac as my email service, and I use it in IMAP mode so that I can access it from my home-based Macs using Mail.app, my work-based PCs using Thunderbird, and on the web using .Mac's webmail interface. Will all of these access methods support encrypted email messages? If so, if so, how would one pull it off? And what's the impact to the recipients of my email messages? All right. So I think we've got a little bit of confusion here, John. Uh, maybe not. But uh, but we'll 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 talk about this. So there are encrypted messages and then there's encrypted transport or encrypting the connection that you use to check and send mail. When you go yes. into right. So when you go into to mail dot app and you enable SSL encryption, that is can that's encrypting the connection that is sending or or checking mail. So. Uh, passwords and even the mail data going back and forth is encrypted so that no one sniffing around can, can find what they're doing. And I think that's correct. Is that right, John? The, the whole thing's encrypted with, with SSL, right? Absolutely. So if you're using SSL or TLS, so, and, and I guess it's important and you can continue, but this is but one aspect of a total security solution. So you certainly want to guard the traffic from your computer to, which is going to be a mail server somewhere, and that's certainly good, but that's not the entire picture of uh, right. keeping your stuff safe. So if, if you want to go on a bit, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, encrypting the email message, mail does support encrypting messages using public keys. Uh, however, you need to have like if I wanted to send John an encrypted message, the first thing that I need to get from him is his digital well, it'll be his digital signature, and along with it would be packaged his public key. Once I have that in my keychain, then I can encrypt messages sent back to John. I can also digitally sign them, and then John would have uh, everything he needs to send back an encrypted message to me. So the recipients 
You can't just encrypt them. Well, mail won't easily let you just encrypt a message and blindly send it to someone. The way it works, it will only encrypt messages to people that have from whom you've previously received uh, their public keys. That way, right. their public which key, is called. Well, just clarify, just to, to, to focus in on the term that you want to use here, because before you, you hinted at it, but a certificate is the blob of data that binds a, an individual to a key, and it's called a certificate. It generates uh, a digital signature, as you said before, but I just want to be very specific that what you want to ask people for and what you may be exchanging when you send emails to one another at some point um, is something called a certificate. And that's something that, that, again, ties a name to a encryption key. And once you get it and you trust it, then what happens is uh, down the road, if you get a communication from a person who has, you know, identified with that certificate, it'll say, oh, yes, it's from that person. So I just want to not to get too, too technical, but I want to just get the terminology right, because it is important that you know the certificate is is what you need. And those are also things that are a lot of times contained in the keychain, which we talked about in the past. But uh, carry on. <laughs> no, that, that's good. Uh, I believe I, I, I've got this set up on on uh, on my machines here. I don't use it a whole lot. But uh, I believe I went and got trustee.com certificates for my, uh, my personal mail and, and was able to, to, to set that up pretty easily. There was a post over, I remember one at O'Reilly and one at Hawkwings, and I am going to try and find them and put them in the show notes here. Uh, and, and maybe I'll, I'll even get them before Michael creates the enhanced feed so that they're already here for you folks that are listening that way. It was an excellent tutorial, step-by-step step of going through what you need to do. It's not entirely obvious. Um, it, it's obvious once you understand the process through which, A, you, you obtain these certificates, and B, you integrate them. But uh, until you've been through it, it, it just doesn't make sense. So uh, I'll, I'll try and find one or both of these articles here for you and, uh, and put those in the show notes if, if you want to do yep. that. But, but yeah, they, they are two different things, so... And, you know, a little commentary is that it, it is kind of sad to me because I'm, I'm, you know, fairly hip to the at least the, the mechanisms used for securing things. And I mean, SSL is is definitely good because a lot of people don't know it's there. Now, the, the bad news is a lot of people don't know that it should be there. Right. Um, but the same thing with the certificates is for the most part, unless your your connection to your ISP is encrypted, which this is the only thing I'd have to ding optimum online and cable vision for is that their servers do not support uh, a secure connection. It's still pop, um, which is, you know, one leg of the journey, which if it's not protected is, is bad. Now, you know, you're not going to have your typical person hanging out on a, you know, cable network router looking for traffic, but it's still, it'd be better to have it, especially, you know, when you're logging in remotely. So their speed is excellent though. I got to say these are probably one of the better guys in the country. I mean, yeah. I get megabyte per second download. Not megabit. No, megabyte. Yeah. yeah. We get, we get, uh, you, I think you'll actually get, you'll get closer to, closer to two megabyte uh, on yours. Here at Comcast with the, with the higher speed tier, we can, we get megabyte downloads. And, uh, oh, nice. They, oh, it's sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. All right. So last week we talked about, 
converting from Outlook on Windows to the various programs that support that on the Mac. And we have two comments here that we're just going to play for you. These folks together say it better than uh, than certainly that I could. I I just don't do a whole lot of this and I don't think you do either, John. Uh, Okay, so we're going to go ahead and play these comments and then uh, and then leave you with our our lasting thoughts and, and go from there. Hey, John and Dave, this is Scott. Um, you, your call, one of your callers on uh, the most recent episode there, he called in about um, converting stuff from Outlook onto his Mac, getting stuff from Outlook onto his Mac. And you guys talked about something that would move stuff into iCal, but I used to recommend, and I still do, a program called O2M. O2M by Little Machines. So I haven't looked that up. And basically you run that on your PC, it converts your PST it converts them out into files that can be used on the Mac. It converts it for your mail. It converts it for your um, iCal stuff. Uh, it converts it for your address book. So it sets up the files for all the applications on the Mac from what was in Outlook, and it works really well. Um, I had a short-lived Mac podcast myself with a co-host, and uh, we recommended that. And when I converted, when I switched over to the Mac for the first time in a long time uh, from PCs, um, that's what I used, and it worked great. And I recently used it for my dad, so it works well. Anyway, thanks a lot, and uh, of course the podcast is great, but I don't have to tell you that. Anyway, bye. Hello, John and Dave. Wanted to chime in on a topic that came up in your last show about uh, a switcher who had just switched over to the Macintosh and was having some difficulty transferring Outlook uh, into the Mac. Uh, and this is a topic that's near and dear to my own heart. Uh, I am a longtime uh, Mac user, but I have to use the uh, uh, not Windows machines, but uh, Exchange Server for my business, uh, my company. So I'm pretty familiar with how to move things back and forth. And I used to have a PC there, and I hated it. And so getting stuff off that onto my Mac. Um, there's a lot of different translation programs out there. That SourceForge one you mentioned is one of them. And I messed with a lot of them for about two months. And the conclusion I came to uh, was that most of them didn't do a very clean a job. Uh, and the really the best solution for this is, and it doesn't work with everybody, but if you're an Outlook user and you're on an Exchange server, uh, you've really got the solution right there at your fingertips. We're using Entourage on uh, the Macintosh. Uh, I prefer Entourage because it's, I like to have my mail and my contacts and my calendar and my to-do list and my notes all in one application. That's just me. Uh, but nonetheless, you can set up Entourage to connect to an Exchange server. Typically, you enter the OWA address, which is the Outlook web address, um, and if you keep your contacts and your calendar items on the Exchange server, which is possible to do, uh, and if you're not doing it now, it's very simple in Outlook to transfer them to that, they will be then become available for you on the Mac. Uh, and you can either leave them on the server if you're going to keep your Exchange server, uh, or copy them into Entourage. You can also do this with address book and mail, though I found it a bit more kludgy. Um, and now you've got them transferred into your Macintosh. Uh, if you're not an Exchange user, but you're using Outlook on the PC, uh, there are a fair amount of services that for you know 9 to 20 bucks a month will basically give you an Exchange server. Uh, use that for a month. Use it kind of as your transition conduit where you can put all the stuff you've got saved in, in the Outlook onto that Exchange server and then transfer it across to uh, your Mac. And then if you want to go on with your regular IMAP or POP service, uh, you can cancel that Exchange service. But that's really the best way I've found to migrate information to and from Outlook uh, onto a Macintosh. I uh, hope that helps that listener. Thanks. Thank you very kindly for uh, to both of you, to Scott and to Robert. Uh, that was, again, Robert Hazelrig. Uh, fantastic. So I think that's, uh, 
I think that's all we've got here, right, John? I think it's time to uh, to bring in the boys in the band. Let and... the poor band in. <laughs> it's cold outside. We got a uh, oh, my buddy Frank up there in uh, Waterbury. They they got snow already a couple really? of weeks ago. Yeah, we had some, Connecticut. We had some flurries the other morning. Uh, I mean, just you know, but it it had that smell in the air, you know, and it it it's it's snowing and it's it's just got that crisp kind of. It smells like snow. There's no other way to describe it uh, to me. It's like oh, hmm. yeah, it's fantastic. All right, well, we got the big uh, big day coming up. Uh, you know, long weekend at uh, Black Friday. That's right. No, no, that right. Black Friday is good. It's a, it's is it? A good if you're a nutcase and you want to wait in lines for a... Oh, well, yeah. yeah but the, the black part of Black Friday isn't like Doomsday Friday. It's when all the stores go Profit. into the blacks. Profits. You know. Profit. Yeah. One would hope. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I've long since just decided mail order is the way to go. Oh, dude. Well, yeah. <laughs> 90%. I mean, there's some things where you still got to, you know, have a personal touch, but... Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Thank goodness for, you know, the, the, the carriers, UPS, FedEx, all them guys, and all the you know, online retailers. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, let's just hole up and not expose ourselves to society at all. That's that's what we do as geeks, right? Oh, except <laughs> except at Macro no. Expo. We, we got to come out of the uh, come out of the woodwork, right? Is that... We got to socialize. <laughs> we got to talk to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I love meeting him. Oh man, especially at the party, that was so cool. Yeah. We oh yeah, we, we've got our. Uh, are we gonna, we gotta, oh. Our Cirque de Mac party. We're going to be running a contest for. Uh, for which one? Yeah, whatever. It's January sixteenth, I believe. It's that Wednesday, and we've actually got three sponsors this year: Otherworld Computing, uh, Edemotic, right. and Audio Engine are sponsoring the uh, the Cirque de Mac party. We're very much looking nice. forward to having them. It's at the Red Devil Lounge again. It is same in- place. Yeah, same place. Yeah, it it is uh, invite only. We will be running a, a contest for uh, to give away a couple of invites, and, and of course, you you folks know us, so you know. Just let me know if if you're going to be there, and we'll see what we can do. See if we can't rig that contest. We can't rig the MacWorld contest, you see, uh, because that's yeah. you know that's. But getting the, into the, the uh, to see the band, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. The MacWorld All Star Band will be playing, uh, which includes you again. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, we've we've been playing for a long time now. We should actually be good. Uh, no, it should be fun. <laughs> uh, I think you are, especially with special guests. Uh, you know, that's right. We had listen uh, players. I mean, I've, I've seen numerous unexpected people just hop up on stage and do their thing. That's right. Yeah, Bud Tribble got up last year and uh, and played keys on uh, uh, the Beatles uh, back in the USSR. Last year, yeah, I like I like Andy doing vocals. Andy yeah, always likes to maybe we'll up get up him. there. Belt one out. Yeah, Andy and Nako. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, actually see if we can't can't convince him to come around. Uh, all right, so this show was converted to AAC by Michael Johnston, of course, of iPhoneAlley.com. Uh, next week we're here, normal schedule. I think we're here, normal schedule the following week, and then I am on vacation after that. So. Uh, that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think so. Right, the, the second week of December, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm I'm disappearing. We're going on the Disney cruise, and uh, oh. un, unable to be found. So we're gonna have to skip the show that week. I I, I, I got some vacation to take, uh, you know, to see, and then well, shortly after that, there's a uh, MacWorld, of course. 
But it's Christmas and all those holidays and other things in the middle. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. New Year's, all that stuff. And then, uh, yep. Oh, I got to book my flight. Who should I book my flight with? Uh, you can book your flight through one of our podcast marketplace sponsors, Harmon-eTravel.com. Oh. Yep. I'm going to try it. Yep. Uh, A5 and A2 desktop speakers also in the marketplace from Audio Engine. BB Edit from Barebone Software. One free download from Audible.com as long as you use Audible.com slash MacGeekCab. And PDF Pen from Smile on My Mac. Uh can sponsor the show through the backbeat media podcast network and uh, we very much appreciate your subscriptions uh or rather you being subscribed to the show uh, obviously you don't pay for those those are free but we we appreciate that uh we appreciate all you all you guys it's uh and 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 and, and gals gals oh you just blew it man. i know i blew it yeah. gonna get a shaking fist I though <laughs> i didn't i i, I you know guys, but i've always gals. wondered about you can say guys but you I know. can't say gals. i mean to me it's yeah what, what is the show guys and dolls well no, no i wasn't that, no oh, i wouldn't hey. say that <laughs> but it was a Broadway show john right? we're gonna quit okay we're, we're just gonna head. cut our losses <laughs> that's right thanks Thanks for listening. Sorry, women of, of podcasting world. <laughs> I think I'm getting a cold. I'm kind of feeling one of those foggy head <laughs> things come on. <laughs> <laughs>